Welcome back to Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther. Today on Did You Know, Lily has some groundbreaking research to share on nature's sounds, along with some recordings of some pretty cool sounds from nature that I'm betting you probably never heard before. Turns out we're one step away from decoding the communication that takes place amongst the species of the various life forms that make up nature around the world. Thanks to artificial intelligence and the hard work of the researchers that have collected thousands and thousands of audio files of recordings of nature. Our outdoor adventure has us back in Montreal at the Biodome, only this time we're visiting the Gulf of St. Lawrence. This is probably my favorite of the various exhibits at the Biodome in Montreal because it focuses on what's below the waves. Speaking of waves, I've got some tips to share on how to keep your breakfast down when you're out on the water, like when you have a chance to do some whale watching in Tedesac, Quebec. Hey, I recommend that. And last but not least, I have some reflections to share on the recent COP15 meetings that took place over two weeks in Montreal. What does it mean for biodiversity around the planet? So what are we waiting for? Lewis, come on, let's go find Lily. Did you know? Hi, Lily. Hi. I've been thinking things are getting a lot quieter outside now that, you know, winter is coming and uh, it's cold and the, the temperatures are setting in. You know, things are getting so quiet out there. But what's going on out there anyways with respect to sounds? Well, digital technology is enabling scientists to detect and interpret the sounds of species as diverse as honeybees, peacocks, and elephants. Oh, wow. Yeah. Microphones are now so cheap, tiny, portable, and wireless connected that they can be installed on animals as small as bees and in areas as remote as underneath Arctic ice. A microphone that'll fit on a bee. That's amazing. Yeah. At the same time, artificial intelligence software can now help decode the patterns and meanings of the recorded sounds. These technologies have opened the door to decoding non-human communications in both animals and plants. Not only is it leading to our beginning to understand what animals and plants are communicating to each other, but helping us understand the damage of our noise pollution is having on nature. Digital technology is often blamed for the alienation of young people from nature. Hmm. Now we are using digital technology to reconnect us to nature by allowing us to listen on how nature is communicating and maybe someday the information actually being communicated. I love it. Can you give some examples of the types of communication scientists are exploring? (laughs) Turns out peacocks produced infrasound waves with their tails during their mating dance. Wow. Yeah, scientists used to think the big tail was a visual display, and it is, but they're also making infrasound with their tails at a specific frequency that vibrates the comb on top of the peahen's head. Oh my gosh. We've all known about their mating dance for probably thousands of years, but we only just figured out that it's got a sonic component. That's really cool. But do all animals hear with their ears? Because, you know, fish hear in two different ways. They hear through their swim bladder that amplifies the sound like a drum into their inner ear. And they also have that lateral line going down each side of their body that they can hear low frequency sounds, like the sound of a big fishtail swooshing back and forth as their predator comes to try to eat them. 
Well, it turns out octopi here using their arms with little organelles. Ooh. Yeah, there's a myriad of ways nature has invented to hear that don't involve ears. The fact is, animals and plants are hearing. They are sensing sound, and they are picking up ecologically meaningful and relevant information from the sounds they hear. Do you have some other examples for us? Uh, yeah, coral larvae, which are microscopic organisms, are able to distinguish not only the sounds of healthy versus unhealthy reefs, but to discern the sound of their own reef and swim towards it. Even from miles away across the open ocean, it puts coral larvae in the same category as migrating birds. Scientists don't really understand how these sounds are generated and picked up by coral larvae. Scientists have only just learned that they're capable of doing it. That's so cool. I know. So, Lily, we're figuring out how acoustic transmission and reception works. Are we figuring out what it's being used for? Uh, yeah. One example is the way elephants use a distinct warning call for the danger of bees and a different one for the danger of people. Huh. Yeah. Teams of scientists are constructing dictionaries in animal communication with special attention to elephants, honeybees, whales, and bats. These are highly vocally active species, and they also demonstrate a high degree of social behavior. Amazingly, they all have long-lived cultures and transmit certain vocal markers over generations. Are you saying that we could use their highly developed ability to use sound, and the fact that they use this sound predictably under different situations... By using artificial intelligence, we can figure out what they're saying? Uh, yeah, bats have songs that they teach to their young, much like birds do. So bats are good candidates for research using large data sets collected by scientists. I'm talking about millions of recordings of vocalization. Scientists are now using artificial intelligence to decode these patterns of sounds. I've heard of this happening, you know, that they're starting to record like chimps and, and gorillas and dolphins and things like that. And they figure at some point they will understand what they're actually saying. I mean, dolphins, uh, dol this is cool. Dolphins give other members of their pods names. Wow. So they each have their own little name. Well, that's so cool. Have we actually cracked the code, you know, where we're communicating with animals or, or figuring out what animals are saying to each other? I mean, you said the dolphin thing, but where else is this happening? Um, a scientist in Germany has created a robotic honeybee encoded with sounds taught to it by an artificial intelligence algorithm. The robotic honeybee can go into a hive and tell the bees where a new source of nectar is. It can also do the, you know, little waggle dance. The waggle dance. And they will understand. <laughs> so, in a sense, scientists have broken the barrier of interspecies communication. Some think that within 10 years, we will have the ability to have interactive conversations with these four species. You need to stay alive for the rest of that time, Dad. Oh, yeah, for sure. This is the sound of the honeybee. <laughs> That's so weird, eh? Yeah, I know.
Lily, that's so amazing. But you know what? It raises some ethical questions or some uh-huh. moral questions. Like, do we really want to know what these animals are trying to tell us or what they're saying to each other? Definitely not. Maybe not, eh? Like, you know how disturbing that would be? <laughs> oh my goodness. What about noise pollution, Lily? How serious is that? Um, turns out that even ambient or background levels of noise pollution that we humans live with on a daily basis are now being linked to human health risks. Mm. Things like increased risk of stroke and heart attacks, cognitive impairment development, developmental delays, and dementia. Communications for animals must be uh, problematic with all their noise and stuff that we're making. I know, like... Underwater noise pollution is huge problem for things like uh, killer whales, where sound travels four times faster underwater than it does in air. The good thing is that as soon as you reduce the level of noise, there is an immediate benefit, unlike chemical pollution, which can take decades or centuries to degrade. A scientist studied sound in San Francisco during the pandemic and found that birds responded to the drop in background sound during the pandemic by singing songs with more gusto and ranges in complexity. Really? Yeah. Scientists who study acoustics called the pandemic the andropause because sound levels went back to the 1950s, and in that quiet, we found a lot of animals had benefited. For sure. You know, we definitely heard a lot more birds in, uh, in 2000 and 2001 when things around here were so much quieter. Now I, I don't hear as the birds as much or as often anymore. And I hope it has nothing to do with the avian flu that, uh, that really wiped out a lot of uh, migrating birds this year. Lily, do you think sound, like animal sounds, can be harnessed for good? Uh, yeah, you can use the sound of healthy reefs, for example, as a form of musical therapy for coral. Oh. Yeah, the technical term is acoustic enrichment. You put speakers underwater, you play the sound of healthy reefs, and you can attract fish and coral larvae back to degraded reefs. They're doing that in the biggest reef restoration project in the world off the coast of Indonesia. I wonder if we'll ever get to that point, you know, where we could have an app that would allow us to sort of communicate with different animals or at least understand what they're trying to tell us. Like our dogs and cats, they're the fish in our aquarium. Yeah, Benji talks to us. I know, we almost understand him. Mr. Bear, can (laughs) you, Mr. Bear, don't eat me. I'm thinking more like, you know, putting a microphone in the water and and listening to fish to see what uh, they're eating today, you know, what what they're looking for. They already have a system of pre-recorded sounds hooked to a a box that you can put on your boat and then you drop a speaker over the side of the boat and it plays the sound of bait fish feeding and they have all different tracks of different bait fish depending on the region you live in so you can dial in the bait fish from your region drop the uh, speaker over the side of the boat play the sound and fish will come over to investigate what what it's all about and then you can catch them now I don't know if it works that well, but a few of the tournament anglers use it. They say, though, it can take about 20 minutes before fish might show up. So if um, you're on a tight schedule, yeah, that could, uh, it could make you a little impatient. Yeah. Thanks a lot for this. Outdoor Adventures. We're back in Montreal for a tour of the Gulf of St. Lawrence exhibit at the Biodome. 
And now we're going into the Gulf of the St. Lawrence. Gulf of the St. Lawrence. This is my favorite. Aquatic habitat. We visited uh, Tedesac not so long ago. Okay. and So this is about what you would see if you were to go, uh, let's say, diving uh, around Tedesac. In Tedesac. Yeah. The Gulf of St. Lawrence is huge. We have big sturgeons, uh, black sturgeon. The biggest here is almost uh, six feet long. Nice. So it's and it's a black sturgeon? Yes. Huh. Yes. I've never even heard of those. I've heard a lake sturgeon, white sturgeon, green sturgeon. Yeah, there's a lot. There's the beluga sturgeon. That's where the caviar comes yes, from. Yes, in Russia. Uh, now we're, uh, let's say, climbing above water. The ceiling's really high here. Yes. And it, it gives me a sense like we're on the edge of a mountain looking over the Gulf of the uh, St. Lawrence. It's the sound of the wind. There's sun shining the on me. This is why night. we were able to build something as the biodome here. It's because of all the natural uh, lighting. Yeah. Uh, because without that natural lighting it would be too difficult to uh, keep all the plants alive it's like we're standing outside yes exactly but we're, we're inside this giant space here yeah we can do it with artificial lights but then we would have like lights all around the place to yeah. keep the, the plants alive so the natural lighting is really important now we're kind of on the shore uh, in front of us we have invertebrates so we have a, a tank with um, a starfish, anemones, uh, crabs, mussels, sea cucumbers, uh, so different invertebrates. You can see if you go walk uh, on a beach at low tide, yeah. you can observe or, those organisms there. Nice. Um, and most of the people uh, here in Montreal, they don't even know we have, let's say, starfish in Quebec. It's amazing. You've got so much life living in the bottom of the Gulf of St. Lawrence and the St. Lawrence River itself. So for me, this is one of the places I prefer here at the Biodome because it's amazing how close we are to uh, actually the ocean with this St. Lawrence mm. River, which become Gulf and then Atlantic Ocean. You know, you folks in Quebec, you look at the St. Lawrence River with your with a view of the ocean, and you and you see the river as part of the ocean, and, and you know the mix of the fresh and the salt. In Ontario, we see the St. Lawrence as the tail end of Lake Ontario, where all the fresh water goes. Yeah, two totally different perspectives. Same river. Yeah, same, same river and uh, same big amount of water and, yeah. and it's vital for us as uh, humankind but also as part of this big ecosystem which is uh, Canada or United States as well. Biggest freshwater uh, watershed in the world, yeah. right? The Great Lakes oh, yeah, and the St. Yeah. Lawrence River. Yeah, exactly. It's huge. So it's impressive and I think personally we don't take care enough of that big piece of water. So I agree, you, I agree. So usually we don't let people touch the tank, but yeah. we'll let you touch the water. Okay. The water. Oh, that's so cold. Yeah, that's so exactly why I wanted you to feel it. <laughs> so what is it's that, like really five cold. degrees? So this is the water for uh, the starfish and anemones. Yeah. Uh, so it's um, yeah around five to seven degrees Celsius. Yeah, that would be. It has to be very cold because of those organisms. Yeah. Also, we have lots of uh, sun, so lots of natural lighting, which warms up the water. So we have to keep it really, really cold. Uh, because it gets uh, warmer very quickly. Can you imagine though, like you things live in this, right? And they live in this, and the water doesn't warm up in the summer. It just it's just cold all all the time. And, and they and they survive. And what's well, I'm a biologist. So what's uh, more impressive to me is that if we just let's say take. 
the temperature up of one degree, uh, most of these organisms are going to die. Wow. So when we're talking about climate change, uh, it's true in the ocean, the temperature is getting warmer. Those organisms are not, they, were, they will not be able to adapt quick enough. Mm. At least not all of them, so we're going to lose some species because of uh, the warming of the oceans. Okay, beware of... Uh, yeah, okay, stairs. stairs. Thank you. There's three, one, all right, that's it. Okay, so now we're really above uh, the big tank. So we were underneath the pathway uh, when we just entered the Gulf of the St. Lawrence. Yeah. So we can see not only uh, the fish, but also birds. Dad, there was a sturgeon that was taller than you. So probably 150 pounds, 200 pounds. Yeah, we don't know how old it is. It's difficult to age a sturgeon. Yeah. Uh, but I think, but we think it's that they're older than 60 years old. Yeah, yeah. It's really impressive. They're, they're really swimming dinosaurs, aren't they? Yes. I mean, they haven't changed. They haven't changed in 150 million years. I've been uh, in Sorel, which is a city, uh, yeah. let's say, 100 kilometers. Yeah, my wife used to live in St. Tours. Okay, very, very. I went on the uh, tour boat there, yeah. and I saw a yellow sturgeon uh, just coming out of the water to, to uh, smack or smash yeah. at the surface to get rid of uh, parasites. It's amazing, and right? It was like <laughs> two feet long. That's kind of a big fish <laughs> coming out of the water like this. They're just straight up in the air, like yes. like a torpedo. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I, I experienced that quite a bit on this Ottawa River fishing. Mm -hmm. It's all of a sudden. They'll just jump right out of the water, reach right beside your boat. And you know, <laughs> are they just coming to look in the boat and see what's going on? And then they fall on their side. They, hit the, they always land on their side. Uh, on the side of the boat? No, no, never on touched the boat. Okay. No, on their side, yeah. They always smack onto the water. And and yeah, that's what I've heard, like what you said. They they, they have sometimes uh, lice or not, not lice. Um, parasites. Parasites. Or, yeah. And when they smack on the water, it's to get rid of those parasites. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they have it on their, uh, their scales. Sometimes it's uh, into their gills yeah. as well. Wow. Mm. I just was reading and, and they're worried that there, a lot of the juvenile sturgeon in the Fraser River mm -hmm. have been just the numbers of juvenile surgeon have been going down for the last 20 years and they don't know why the big the number of big sturgeon is stable but the juveniles you know the three foot the one meter long one and a half meter long the, the numbers of them are going down so. it's well we don't know they're bottom feeders yeah we can think that maybe there's a contaminants or, or, or insufficient salmon maybe mm. insufficient dead salmon they like to eat the dead salmon that floats down the river maybe maybe there's not enough of that yeah sometimes we I think sometimes we know more about the moon than what's yeah. on the water. <laughs> haddock. Haddock? Yeah. Oh, there you go. The other haddock. Theo was wondering what Are they, they nice were. looking fish? Yeah. yeah. They are. They are. They're small ones. They're wow. small. They, they could be bigger than what we have here. What are those ones? The ones swimming underneath? Uh, striped bass. Yeah, okay. Big, big, big striped bass. Striped bass get huge, yes. eh? Those are good size. So what, are the 30 pounds, like 15 kilo, you think? 10, uh, 15 kilo? No, eh? These, maybe 10. 10 the, kilo. The biggest we have, maybe it's 10 kilo. But not that's that's a big fish in an aquarium. Yes. That's a big fish. It's nice that you guys put seagulls there to make yeah. them feel included. And how many striped bass are in that school? I'd say 30. 30 of them? Yeah. Wow. That's cool. You know when they spawn, striped bass spawn, they come to the surface and they just spin around at the surface and the females let go of the eggs and the males let go of the sperm and it all just mixes and floats to the surface in a big bubble nest. In a big bubble nest and that and then it's done.
We, we used to observe that, but with our filtration system, it's not possible for us to uh, to keep the eggs. No, they get sucked in. Yes, and cleaned up. So. <laughs> yeah. But how many how many white striped bass do you need, right? Uh, yeah, well, then we just... <laughs> have to start serving fish tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Outdoor tips and tech. Everyone should spend time on the water to learn about marine life. Whether it's whales, seals, fish, or the people who live from the sea, Canada has the longest coastline of any country in the world. It's up to all of us to understand what that means for the people, for us, for nature. By knowing, you'll be able to stand up for nature when it counts. Long story short, visit the Gulf of St. Lawrence, and if you have a chance, go to Tadoussac, Quebec, and take in the museum there, and sign up for a whale watching tour. And if you're worried about getting seasick, don't. And here's why. Everyone's heard of gravel. It's meant to soothe the stomach so you don't lose your breakfast. It can happen to anyone. It can be triggered by looking at the boat moving up and down on the waves, up and down, up and down. And you know, surprisingly, it doesn't take that much sight to be able to see that kind of motion. My number one tip is tell yourself, don't look at the boat going up and down. Look at the horizon. Even if you have a little bit of sight, don't look at the boat going up and down. Number two tip, tell yourself, I'm not going to get sick. If you tell yourself, I'm going to get sick, 100%, you will get sick. So tell yourself, I'm not going to get sick. And my third tip, take two pills of gravel the night before. Hey, it'll help you sleep, first of all. And second, it'll give it a chance to enter your bloodstream. When you're having breakfast the next morning, take another one. Now you got three gravels loaded in your system. You're good to go. You got to do this because when you get out there on the whale watching boat with 50 other people, and if you get sick, trust me, they're not turning around to bring you back to land. They've got a schedule to keep and a whole bunch of customers to satisfy. You'll enjoy it out there. The smell, the sound, and even the sight of whales and seals, and you'll learn so much about what it means to make a living on the ocean and what it means for nature to live in that ocean. And face it, the Gulf of St. Lawrence, hey, it's pretty much ocean. It's huge. Over one million life forms are on track to go extinct if we don't do something. We're talking mass extinction. Canada alone has 500,000 life forms that are on track to go extinct. Not endangered yet, but heading in that direction. So how will countries rise to this occasion to stop this from happening? That was the topic of the recent COP15 meetings that took place over two weeks in Montreal. Developing countries know that it's the developed countries that are responsible for causing their problems around biodiversity loss, whether it's the burning of fossil fuels and the changes it's made to the climate, or whether it was direct involvement on their territory that led to the loss of nature. These developing countries are against borrowing more money to deal with biodiversity. They already have a lot of debt and they don't need more interest payments to put on top of what they're already paying. What many of these developing countries want and what a lot of developed countries are supporting is to attract private sector investment into making sure biodiversity 
is sustained. The price tag they're looking for is about $20 billion a year for a total of about $700 billion. By making this type of investment, the people in these developing countries will have better jobs, a better existence, and nature around them that's sustainable and doing well, and the governments will have less interest to pay on loans. The idea for all this came from the president of Barbados, but it's in everyone's best interest to see this sort of investment take place. So when you have a chance to speak out on behalf of the silent nature, because nature is pretty much that, silent, it's important that we involve everyone in the solution. This isn't something for the International Monetary Fund or the World Bank. They just make loans, and their loans to developing countries have really high interest rates. It's also not just a government-to-government thing. We're good at helping out when there's a disaster, but we're less likely to hand out money because we think it's the right thing to do. That's not easy for a government to give away money to another government, to another country. But there's a lot of wealth out there, there's a lot of money, and it's in everyone's best interest that the planet as a whole become a more sustainable place. Hey, if we lose our biodiversity, if we lose all this nature, we're going to lose. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or visit me at lawrencegunther.com to keep up the date on my blogs and videos. Subscribe to get the latest episodes of Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther by visiting your favorite podcast provider. And please take some time to rank us and give us some comments. Send me your feedback, suggestions, and questions on email at feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at AMI-audio. I want to thank Nazreen Abdel-Majid, the manager of AMI-audio, Zandi Frank. Visit AMI.ca slash schedules and keep informed and up to date with what's happening on AMI-audio. Never miss an episode of your favorite AMI-audio shows again. That's AMI.ca slash schedules. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.